0: Okay, move out.
1: You're listening to the Valor Podcast with Nick Lehman, a show highlighting the people who defend the United States of America and those who support them.
0: Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country.
1: All right, hello and welcome to the Valor Podcast. This episode, we're going to talk about the history among cemeteries and how important it is to keep them clean. But more on that in a minute. First, I want to thank our show sponsor, Booyah Media. They've helped us with our website and back-end support to make sure that uh, all you guys listening out there can get the Valor Podcast. So you can see their work at BooyahMedia.com. That is BooyahMedia.com. Every city has a cemetery for people to have a final resting place, and that resting place is a gathering spot for people that go and visit their loved ones. Some cities have cemeteries dating back all the way to the 1500s. Tombstones and headstones are meant to last, but sometimes the weather and elements make it difficult for people to read who is buried there. Our guest is Andrew Lumish, the founder of The Good Cemeterian. Loomish spends his days off cleaning the headstones and grave sites of veterans buried in his local area. Andrew, thank you for coming on to the Valor Podcast. I, I got to say, you uh, you must be quite the local historian now since you have cleaned a lot of these, uh, you know, in my mind, they're famous people because they served our country.
0: Well, thank you for having me, Nick. I really do appreciate it. Um, yeah, my, uh, my hobby, it was my hobby, has become quite a, not just a local... Um, a, a local piece, but it's it's grown in popularity and it's it's gone worldwide so uh, it's been uh, a, a, an interesting but uh generally a great experience thus far and I've been doing it for quite some time
1: yeah so I mean I saw you on a couple uh, news stories and other things and you know your your story sort of inspired everybody and you you went viral how, how was that what was that like? I mean it, being the guy that was just kind of doing the behind the scenes work and all of a sudden you're you're the famous guy that everybody recognizes now. Well,
0: it was, it was rather surreal. There was no, um, there was no idea to do anything like that. I actually own a business and I had a client who's in the media. I have several clients that are in the media and we were just having a, a general conversation and I told him what it is that I do. Um, he thought it was very interesting and, uh this is how this all began really um but again i had been doing this for years and i shared it uh, i just quietly shared it amongst uh, friends and family members and it was just something that i i loved to do and we shot a sh- a short story uh, it would have been i w- i was joke that it would have been a story between uh dirty dining and the weather on the newscast you know just one of those happy feel good stories on uh, on on a local on a local newscast and uh they posted on social media And it went viral and it ended up being the most viewed story in the history of the network uh, by far. I think by 10 times more than any other story. And immediately um, my phone started ringing the next morning, um, you know, for radio uh, broadcasts all across the country. And my life changed very quickly overnight and very unexpected and and, uh, I, I didn't plan on that. That was the original uh it's originally how this happened, and just just kept going from there.
1: and so take take me how you, for people who don't really know your story, you clean the headstones and and tombstones and memorials of veterans. how How did you say, you know what? there needs to be something done about this. i'm gonna, i'm gonna I'm gonna do it well, here here's
0: the, it was uh, rather organic uh, how it how it happened. i uh, you know in the last uh, seven or eight years, I've become a. Uh, a very enthusiastic novice photographer so I photograph a lot of different things and one day I stumbled upon a very old historic cemetery here in the Tampa area and I stumbled upon it and it was beautiful so I began to photograph it in doing so um, you know it, it inspired me to, to seek out a couple of other very historic very old um, cemeteries where there's you know some some rather famous and infamous people buried um, but in going there, the beauty in the monuments, especially back in the 1800s and early 1900s, is incredible. So I began to photograph them, and then something uh, came to my attention. And that was the disrepair uh, and the poor condition of the monuments of our soldiers and people who fought in conflicts from, you know, as early as war of, uh, the War of 1812. Uh, up into present times, and I, it actually really, really upset me. So what, it, what I did was, and, and I can't tell you why I was just inspired to do it, what I did was I learned how to restore the monuments properly. So I've taken on all of the techniques, products, and process that they utilize in all of our national cemeteries, including Arlington. So I do the same process on all the monuments that I work on locally as are done by, you know, by our national parks division or the cemeteries division within the national parks department. And they have, they've recognized me, they've honored me. Um, they've sent me really cool. I've gotten department of veterans affairs challenge coins and letters of congratulations and thanks from them as well for what I do.
1: Well, that's awesome. And, and just a disclaimer for people is like, you know, after hearing this podcast and you're like, Oh, I want to do this. Talk to Andrew visit his Facebook page because he he describes on how to properly take care of and even approach this the cemeteries on how to clean that. so how you know how did that conversation go with you know some of the cemeteries around your town?
0: Well, it's easy for me now um, it's quite easy because of everything that's happened so I'm very well known. Um, so people, uh, Im- embrace me, uh, to do different things and they see what I do because it's not just the restorations, what you do, to touch upon what you just said. Also incredibly important, um, to do it the right way, to use the right products and the right products are not, they're not cheap. So what's happened is because of the viral nature of what I do, how it's gone, it's important because so many people all across the country, all across the world, they want to do it too. They think it's such a great thing and a great idea. But I see some scary things. I can't answer every question and every website and every everything that's happening because, um, you know, lots of stories have been written about me. And in the comments section, you'll see things like, oh, I'm going to grab a pressure washer. Or, oh, I'm going to grab a bucket of bleach and some wire brushes. You can't do that because it will it will destroy the stones long term. So you've got to do it the right way. And, and I, I hate to, I didn't want to go back on what we were, you know, the direction you were going in, but I, I wanted to make clear that it's so important not to just go about it because you're inspired to do it. The most important thing is to learn how to do it and then get proper permission from either a family member or the, whatever the governing agency of a particular cemetery is. It's so, so, so important because um, because you can do much more harm than good. And, and technically, you could be charged with trespassing uh, if you just go ahead and, and just uh, just start freelancing.
1: Oh, yeah, I and mean, you could even erase history. I mean, uh, I can't even imagine the, the things that uh, you have, you know, carefully, you know, you're washing away, and all of a sudden you see the the text of what's beneath that. What, what are some things that uh, you have been kind of inspired or seen that you're like, wow, I didn't know, I had no idea that this guy or this lady was buried right here and I'm working on it.
0: Well, it's a little different. Um, what I'll be honest with you, it's more heroes that we never knew about is what I uncover generally. So the people who I uncover are not people that you may read about in history books. They may have taken part in historic times where they may have taken part in a historic battle, but they weren't General Lee or General Sherman or, or along those lines, but they served under them and they served in some of the, the Battle of Gettysburg. Um, and what what I've learned is that they were heroes, not that they were thought of as heroes. So because we live in 2017, access to genealogy accounts and, and uh, microfilm and libraries, is much easier than it's ever been so when I do the restorations we just don't do the restorations, but we do the full genealogy biography of that individual from the day they were born until the day that they passed away and in doing so we've uncovered these heroes that led these battles and they did these incredible things in their lives but they were just considered they thought they were doing their job, what where they were supposed to do in life. They won the medal, you know, medal of honor recipients from the Civil War, but never had the accolades of of you know your top generals and the people you read about in the history books. And then what we'll do is when we uncover this incredible historical data of these people, that you, you realize you're like, wow, this person was a hero. This this individual was truly amazing, and we would consider them to be a hero, and they are. Uh, and you uncover these stories, and then you retell the stories to millions of people all over the world. And everyone's in agreement, and everyone's just stunned by what we uncover um, as far as the history goes on so many people, um, almost on a daily basis. Um, and and we, don't, we, don't, um, we don't sugarcoat things. So if there's some uh, there's sometimes you find, might find something a little unsavory, we tell the story. All we do are tell facts. We don't make it flowery uh, and, you know, and try to romanticize anything. We tell facts and simply telling the facts of every biography of every individual that we do a restoration for is all you really need because the the verbiage and, and everything that we, you know, and, and how things were written and how things were told and how they lived their lives and how they got around. Um, and then we talk about the history of the times, too. So if someone was born in 1817, we'll go ahead and we'll, we'll, we'll remind you all of what happened in 1817, who the president of the United States was in 1817, uh, what states were brought into the Union in 1817, what historical things occurred you know, both on a national level and an international level. So we try to do, we try to make it interesting. So you really, really think you really put it into perspective into today's times as well.
1: Yeah. And uh, like I saw on your Facebook page, I mean, it's, there's all kinds of before and after uh, pictures of this. And, you know, you, you say that sometimes it takes three hours and sometimes there's one, I think I saw that, 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 uh, memorial statue that took like 21 days or something like that so every every project's different is that correct
0: every project's different there's a lot of factors that go into it um age of the monument whether it's beneath trees now i live in the state of florida where it's very tropical so being very tropical um if you've got a monument that hasn't been touched in 125 years and sits you know sits beneath 200-year-old oak trees for that 125 years, Um, it accumulates lots of mold and mildew and pollen uh, and all kinds of things happen over the course of those. It deals with storms and incredible rains that we have and flooding. Um, So some, depending upon size, condition, and age, uh, won't take as long, but it is a process. So when we do a restoration, well, when I do a restoration, what will happen is you do the initial labor where, you know, in weeks ex- I explain that. You know, I'm not going to explain it here, but we explain that like on my Facebook page and other areas as well. But when we do the initial labor, um, that may take, you know, an hour, two, three hours, but that's not when it's done. So at the end of the labor portion of it, you still have work to do. Um, and the product that we use is, is a, a product that continues to work over time. So the next week, we'll come back and we'll look at it and maybe do some touch-up to it, and well I'll, I'll get on there and touch up some corners and maybe get into the letters or the numbers and see if there's anything I need to work on a little bit more. But the product continues to draw out the 125 years of sediment that might be in there, and two weeks later, it'll look better. Three weeks later, it'll look better. It can just continues to draw out all that stuff that's been, you know, that's been, uh, absorbed into the stone after over all those years. Some of the monument restorations you'll see before and after photos and the before picture will be taken on a day in, in December. The after picture may not be taken until April. Um, so that's, there's, there that's, that's how the process works. And that's how I tell the stories as well. So, um, I have months and months of restorations ahead of time and the ones that, aren't being told yet, I call those restorations in process. So they're in process. They're not actually ready to go. They've all the work's been done, but now it's a waiting game. And the more time that goes by, the better it will look. And, um, it's, it's really, really cool. As you can tell.
1: Yeah. It sounds like uh, you have like a, it's like a fine wine, you know, it's aging to perfection.
0: It, It really is. And it is, it's one of those things. Well, what, what's interesting is, Initially, after you do the labor portion on the first day, um, that same day you'll look at it, and it'll have a. After it's done, you walk away. You work on another restoration, then you come back to it on your way out when you're when you're finishing up, and they'll turn a a very rust-looking color. Um, And what that is is that's the sediment being drawn out of it, and it kind of you know if you're not used to it, you might panic. You might say, "Oh my gosh, what have I done?" You haven't done anything. Uh, You come back four or five days later and that rust, that rust color is gone, but it'll just, it'll continue to lighten uh, and, and you'll, you'll have, it'll draw out all of what the original architecture and artwork of that monument is over time. But it may take a month, two, three, or four months to go. Um, So it, it is, it's a process and it's, it's a labor of love, but it's also a labor of patience.
1: I like it. And, and so when, when you're doing these restorations and, and things like that and you see all these, these dates and things like that, do you, do you ever feel like you, you get taken back in time and, and you kind of picture what's going on around that particular time frame and, what, and also the meeting of people that were you know, either celebrating and saying goodbye to the, these, these people's lives? Well, you, you do.
0: Uh, you look and you see when they were born. You see when they passed. You see what conflicts that they may have served in, um, and if you're into history, you put yourself in their shoes while you're there, and you let it. And it kind of helps with your motivation. So for me, anyway. So when I see this, and I'm motivated by the times in which they lived, the things that they saw um you know and it's it's very very interesting it, it helps to motivate you you're like wow you want to respectfully restore this this individual's monument and then respectfully tell their life story so it's a combination of things um but it, it's truly amazing I, I love to do it and then what I do also is sometimes I'll bring students uh and students that are in high school and they get credit you know they're, they're in special classes uh, advanced classes and they have to Um, They have to volunteer 100 hours per school year and lots of kids like to go with me and do uh, Complete restorations and learn how to do it and we'll talk about history while we're doing it And one thing that I always have them do is I have them look around to see the landscape around us when other people may have passed away uh, in comparison to the person that we're working on and then I have them step back so I'll have them step back into the footsteps of the relatives of this person so you know if you had you know if they had surviving children and their wife was still alive when they passed away i'll have the students step back and stand in their actual footprints in exactly where they would have stood in say 1891 or 1874 or whatever year it is that they passed away and then we sit there and we talk about what life was like in this area and the country and the world in that year while they're standing in the relative's footsteps.
1: Well, I bet there's a lot of great conversations that, you know, kind of start from it because, I mean, that's hands-on history right there. I mean, that's as close as you can get. And the, the crazy thing is, is I, I know we were founded in 1776, but, it, you know, that that's not a long time ago. I mean, that's only a few generations back that we have these connections to these people that, you know, passed on or buried.
0: Well, you know, it's really interesting because when you really delve into it, yeah, it wasn't all that long ago. And we do talk about a lot of the people that we work on, their, their families um, fought in the Re- American Revolution. Some of them uh, deserted uh, the British. They came over to fight for the British and ended up deserting the British. And then, you know, and these are the stories that we uncover and we tell the stories and people are like, that's incredible. Uh, when you put this all together and you start telling the stories. Other things that you learn is, you know, a lot of people wouldn't think about this, but and these are all really interesting, outside-of-the-box um, things that you learn. For instance, uh, something I've learned in recent times was there are actually children who are still alive um, that are children of Civil War veterans. And they are alive because often, back in the turn of the 20th century, in the early 20th century, uh, up until the 1920s or 1930s, the, uh, the, uh, the last surviving Civil War um, soldier passed away in the 1950s. What happened was, um, if they were married when they were young, they, uh, and, and their spouse had passed away, they would typically marry right away again. Um, and it would be so that they could be taken care of as they were getting older, but they would marry much younger women. So some of them, they would marry younger women and they had children. So there are actually several children still alive that are the children of civil war veterans. There's actually one woman. Uh, I believe she's left. I looked, she's still alive. She's the only person still collecting a pension of, I believe, $73 a month from, uh, the civil war. She's collecting a civil war pension for her father.
1: Yeah, you beat me too. The great minds think alike. I was just gonna add that tidbit in, but th- that's uh, yeah. And I I remember watching a, a YouTube video clip a while back, and they had it was one of those game shows like Guess Who the Person Is, and it was, you know, the, the it was like a, a a guy he was like in his fifties or sixties at the time, but or seventies. I can't I can't even remember the math, but you know, he was at the theater when Lincoln was assassinated, and that you know that was just wow. an incredible. You know, kind of history. Things that you know, you, we think history has to be 500, 600 years ago, but in reality, it's you know, yesterday, so to speak.
0: It, it, there, there are a lot of close connections. There's actually another child of a uh, Civil War veteran. He was, a, he was a, his father was seriously injured in 1861 in a battle, in one of the first battles of the Civil War. And he was awarded a full scholarship to um, West Point in person by abraham lincoln his son is still alive and lives in colorado
1: oh wow that's, that's
0: he's i think cool. he's, he's 92 now but his son is 92 years old but he's he's still alive and he lives i think in the, i know he lives in colorado i don't want to say exactly where but i know where he lives um but he lives in colorado and that's true that his 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 father shook the hand of abraham lincoln and was awarded a full scholarship to west point after he was injured in 1861
1: so yeah, I, I like your I like your history knowledge, and uh, you know it, it probably goes well with your with your job. What what are some of your favorite you know historical things and and uh, kind of fun facts that you have kind of learned to to appreciate during these restorations? Whether it's with the wartime or you know, well, I didn't know that they used this type of instrument during war or, or something like that.
0: I'll give you a couple of interesting ones. Um, something, you know, you'll see on a lot of the Civil War, on um, the Union Army uh, monuments, so those who fought for the Union during the Civil War, some of them would have, at first I didn't know what it meant, it would have the letters M-U-S-N. And I was like, what is M-U-S-N? And I saw that, and then I started to research it, and they were musicians. So they were in the bands during the Civil War. Some of them have the instrument that they played, like a fifer, which is kind of like a flute, and it has it on their uh, on their tombstones, and what I learned about that was this is really really interesting. It, it it's kind of uh, it's actually kind of funny. It's not funny, but but it is funny. It, they uh, often during the Civil War, you had the Confederacy and the Union, but they kind of, they definitely for the most part stuck to rules of engagement. There wasn't a lot of sneaking up on one another. It wasn't much of that. There was some, but not much, and. One thing that they did quite a bit was they would have the equivalent of a battle of the bands the night before a battle. So they would have a Confederate band and they would have like the Union band and they would have like a band off uh, the night before a battle. And it was that's something that they did. And there's there's photographs of it. I found photographs of it. And you think about that. And that's that's kind of mind blowing right there that they would have a battle of the bands and then kill one another the next day.
1: Yeah, I mean it's like, hey, hey, great plan, and I'll see you tomorrow, and I'm gonna probably ban at you or something like that.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's very interesting stuff. I've got a great story. It's very, uh, to me, one of my favorite stories ever. It's a story more so than something historical, like the Battle of the Bands. That's kind of a history type thing. One of my favorite uh, stories is there's um in Tampa, there's a main street downtown. It's called Ashley Drive. Nobody really thinks about Ashley Drive. They just know they drive on it. And it's named after a gentleman by the name of William Ashley. William Ashley uh, was from Virginia, and he came to Tampa in 1837. Uh, he came here with his wife, Nancy. Now, I just want you to think about the years. So 1837, he came down here. He, at the time, Tampa was a town of, of hundreds of people, maybe three, 400 people. And, um, he became a prominent citizen for the small town. He was the first clerk of the circuit court. Um, and then as the, the town grew, it really didn't do well because when they lived here, you had, um, pre-Civil War, then the Civil War. After the Civil War, you had Reconstruction. And re- during Reconstruction, this was one of the, mo- the poorest, uh, outlaw type places you could ever imagine. You know, imagine the Great Depression on steroids. It was really, really bad. And it was just filled with disease and death and yellow fever and all these terrible things, uh, while they, while he, li- while the, the Ashleys lived here. So he was a clerk at first clerk of the circuit court in Tampa, Florida, and he passed away in 1871. And when he passed away in 1871, he bequeathed a $500, um, uh, amount of money to, uh, this, to this to the uh, downtown Tampa to the cemetery called Oaklawn Cemetery, for when his wife passed away, so when Nancy would pass away uh they had would have a plot and it's worth five hundred dollars and imagine eighteen seventy one so in eighteen seventy one they had uh, he had he left five hundred dollars for her to be buried beside him in the prominent area of the cemetery where mayors and politicians and civil war leaders were buried and his wife, Nancy passed away the following year in 1872. So when she passed away, she's supposed to be buried side by side with William, but the town objected to them being buried side by side because all they they knew what the situation was while William and Nancy were alive. They rejected the fact that they were going to have his wife, Nancy, who was black, be buried beside him in 1872 she was supposed to be buried they said no 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 we have to bury her in the slave section they lived as an interracial couple from 18 1837 until his death in 1871 during slavery times during the civil war and during reconstruction in the south they ended up the town was convinced by the mayor john jackson sorry this is a long story
1: oh, wow, john jackson the mayor
0: it's a long, but the mayor was friends with William Ashley. He convinced the townspeople to exhume to, to compromise. So they exhumed William's body and they placed Nancy's body inside of his casket with him. And it's it, the epitaph explains the entire story on the tombstone where it still sits today. And it is inscribed. By their executor, John Jackson, in 1873, the entire story about uh, here, there there is no distinction between race and caste and dust, and there is no relation, and there is no difference. And that was written in 1873
1: in the South. That's crazy. Have you restored or done any restoration work to this uh, uh, headstone or tombstone?
0: Um. I have not done anything with that tombstone, uh, myself. No, I have not. So uh, I'm working on it with the city on a couple different things, but to date I haven't done anything with it yet. No.
1: Well, it's not, it's not with your to, me, to me, it's
0: very historical. So it yeah, has to be exactly. done. It really <laughs> has to be done the right way.
1: Oh yeah, definitely.
0: With the right permission by the city. So yeah, you gotta, you know, you gotta tread lightly on, on that and make sure everybody's on the same page.
1: And permits with, with the city government. <laughs>
0: Yeah, when you're dealing with the government stuff, you know, it's just it's, it's it takes a long time, and it's not necessarily the most efficient. So, uh, you know, it kind of goes that way with pretty much anything.
1: And and so, the, like, how did how did you sort of become appreciation to our military? Was it uh, your family serving, or you know, did you serve, or you know, what's the the connection here?
0: I have friends that served. Uh, you know, I've, I've I have friends who have served and, um, I, I personally did not serve in the military. I was college and into the corporate world and, um, you know, I just had my blinders on to, to do what I needed to do in, in life, but I did not actually join the military. That being said, um, you know, I've, I've lost some people close to me, um, not in the most pleasant of ways. Uh, so I do what I can. Um, I do my part, to honor those same people who made the ultimate sacrifice, uh, to allow me to enjoy the liberties that I do and my son and anyone else related to me and anyone else who's listening to this podcast.
1: Well, that's awesome. That's, uh, that's America right there. We all find our, our passions and, and whether it's, you know, going into the military to serve or, or taking your day off and restoring uh, headstones and tombstones and monuments. So I, I, I like it. Oh, uh, it's unique. It, it is, yeah, no, it it totally is. And you know, as I, as I get older, you know, I used to be like, "Wow, that's the cemetery. That's kind of like creepy." But as I get older and, and understand it, you are like, "Man, there is a lot of history there. There is a lot of good people, and you know, maybe some bad people here every once in a while." But man, there is a lot of there is a lot of history there.
0: There is, and and it, what what's interesting and and important is that I, you know, I mean, again, I live in the South. I am from up North originally. So I'm from originally from New York. So all we do is we report and record history and discuss it. And we have discussions about it. And it's interesting because some people are like, I hate this, you know, or, or, you know, I'm, this makes me so angry, whether it's, uh, the Confederacy, or they see something with a Confederate flag. That's typically the most controversial, although, uh, not on my page. It's not too terribly controversial because we don't politicize anything. All we do is we record history and we tell history. Um, and then it's sometimes you have to explain to people that do get a little upset and, you know, I'm like, you know, would you be upset if your child uh, was in school and this is what they were learning, you know, for the next two weeks. It's a part of history and that's what we do here. So it's important not to forget it, whether you agree with it, whether you disagree with it, what we do is we record it respectfully. We talk about it, we discuss it openly and we have a huge forum and people, you know, from all over the world comment on it. And it's really fun. I mean, it really is a lot of fun and it's almost all, it's universally great, but some people will say, you know, I had no respect for the Confederacy before and this makes me so angry and did it, but now I have an appreciation for what you do as far as history goes. You talk about it. You talk about every person as an individual. So every one of those soldiers, although you may or may not have um, been in line with what their thought process was at the time, but every one of those soldiers was a human being and they had a story and we tell their story and yes, they may have fought for the Confederacy and you're all against and you're against that and that's fine. That's absolutely fine, but we can't change history. It's important to remember it for whatever reason, whether you don't want to repeat it um, or you just want to learn more about it so you become more knowledgeable um, and a more well-rounded human being. So it's important to record respectfully, and we talk about it, but we humanize every person because we talk about them individually and their service was a part of their lives, but it didn't completely dictate who they were as people so we kind of humanize everyone as a person
1: yeah that's that's incredible and so here here's the kind of a unique question I, i know you've seen a lot of names through the the cemeteries and uncovering them and all that just off name what are some names that you have seen that you're like just off name that you're like man he has a cool name and i wouldn't mind kicking back a few cold ones with him and talking about his 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 veteran experience, his war experience in his life.
0: Oh gosh. Um, let me think, let me think. There's so many. Now you got, you, you got me, uh, you caught me off guard. I'm thinking of different stories. Uh, I will say there's something, some interesting things do the Traficantes are here. Uh, they were, you know, um, Organized crime, and they, I see them often. I see the Santo Traficante and Santo Traficante Junior. I don't know that I'd have a beer with them. I'd be a little nervous. <laughs> I'd say the wrong thing, but uh, but they were some of the some of the heads of heads of organized crime during the 20th century. But uh, I have told their story, and that is quite interesting. Um, soldiers, oh goodness gracious! Um, there's some that I would. I, I, there's a couple of guys that fought in World War one they weren't uh, they 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 didn't necessarily have have huge histories and stories but they were lost very young um, and, and a lot of the World War one soldiers passed away by disease more people died of disease during World War one including soldiers than of actual during at, in actual battle I um, you know I've restored some that were that died of uh, the the uh, the mustard gas that the Germans used um so I've I mean I, I'd, I'd love to be able to go back in time and and then do something say something stop whatever what was about to happen to them from happening um those are things that I would you know I would probably you know most want to do is, is I can't change history all I can do is report it and record it but um but those those are those are kind of the things that that mostly get to me is uh as you as you look at that that particular life but I, I you know william ashley he was a pretty pretty interesting guy the one i just told you about with uh with uh with his wife nancy
1: oh yeah definitely and and you know kind of he you know setting trailblazer if you will back in the day with that you know sort of thought that, that you know it was wrong and and things like that and now it's like you know in some parts you know the you know small fraction of the United States people are like still don't agree with it but you know for the majority of it it's like hey we're all the melting pot of the United States
0: well that's why it's important to put it into perspective I mean they they moved here together in 1837 <laughs> 1837 uh, you know the during slavery times um, you know and, and generally the story is rom- romanticized. And, you know, I'll stay with that. You know, I mean, it's always romanticized about this loving couple. Um, but the kind of the town kind of just they knew about it, but they didn't really, you know, they didn't really say anything at the time until after they both passed away. But then uh, there's another part of me that says, how much of a say did she really have? Uh, did he say, "Wow, well, she's very attractive. I will make her my companion for the rest of my life. Or did they fall in love somehow in 18 in the 1830s? I don't know. That's up for debate. I can't tell you one way or another, but it's an interesting point of contention, point of uh, point of reference to think about.
1: That's great. And then, so uh, one, you know, kind of, kind of to tie this up, I, I'm, I'm an old school type of guy and I like hearing the the old style names. I, I mean, do you come across a lot, a lot of like Jebedias and Jeremiah's and, and that type of thing?
0: Yeah, I mean, there's some really interesting ones—Osro, uh, um, Dorothea's. Um, you know, there's there's so many interesting names, and then you know, you go back their their parents and their grandparents had even more unusual names um, that that you that you uncover. But uh, but yeah, there's 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 all kinds of really interesting names out there. There's so many um, that we talk about, but you know, I go through so many so many restorations. I mean, there's, uh, again, you know, Osro, that was an interesting, an interesting name. I'm trying to rack my brain right now while I'm talking to you, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, you <laughs> know, the, the stories we tell are filled with some names that you're like, wow, that is, so uh, oh, there's one that, uh, what's, what was her name? Um, Carrie Bell, you know, someone, uh, Carrie Bell Malthus, it was C-A-R-R-I-E, B E L L and people like, wow, that's really cool. You've never, now you and I we have never heard of a carry bell. That's like, it was one word, one name. Um, and, uh, but it was like people, I think since I reported that, I think there might be some babies named carry bell now, (laughs) but probably (laughs) hasn't been one since, you know, 1884 before that.
1: Oh, I could see that Facebook, uh, that Facebook post. And then there's that conversation in, in small town America. Hey, we're going to baby. What do you think about naming her carry bell? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, Carrie Bell. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: it's, uh, it's very, very unusual. That was, that re- that name really got a lot of reaction. Um, and, and her last name was Malthus, M-A-L-P-H-U-S. So it was Carrie Bell, C-A-R-R-I-E-B-E-L-L, one word, Malthus, M-A-L-P-H-U-S. Um, and that got a ton of conversation, mostly from, all from, actually entirely from women who had never heard of it and fell in love with it once we were, we, we were, we were told the story about it. I'm like, Carrie Bell Malthus. Really? It's her name.
1: <laughs> so, A- Andrew, in 10 years, when the, the census comes out and those names are on the top of the list, we can credit you.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, it'll be like, well, how did you come up with this name? Well, I read it on Facebook. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Really? You got my name off of
1: Facebook? <laughs> Speaking of Facebook, uh, why, why don't you uh, plug on how we how we can find you, keep uh, keep track of all the restoration, all the cool stories you're doing, and and how people can get involved?
0: Sure. Um, well, my my Facebook page is called The Good Cemeterian. I'll spell cemeterian because not everybody always gets it correctly, but it's C E M E T E R I N. So it's like a, a play on words from the good cemetery, uh, good Samaritan. It's good the good cemeterian. On Facebook and also on Instagram. You can find me on both Facebook and Instagram there. Um, we talk about, we tell stories four days a week, Monday through Thursday, and on Sundays uh, we do a walk amongst the tombstones. So I share images, I photograph all different really interesting images uh, in the cemetery, whether it's nature, wildlife, statues, religious items. Um, confederate flags and confederate things uh you know it's, it's interesting things but we share oh, it's called the sunday walk amongst the tombstones so it's very interesting and people really seem to enjoy that um and that's how you can find me we uh discuss it's in the about section because i get about 300 messages a day asking me how to do it what we use it's written it's right in the about section at the on the top of the page but nobody seems to look at it so we, we try to tell people I probably tell people on the page and through private messages at least four to five hundred times a day and I still get four to five hundred requests for what we do every single day
1: <laughs> well there you go the, the, you got to lead them to water so to speak well well Andrew I, I thank you for your time and and what you're doing for you know for our veterans that served way back in the day and even someone you know as recent as World War II so you know kudos to you for seeing a, a need and and just getting down and getting dirty and getting those things restored
0: nick thank you so much for having me i really do appreciate it you know it's a labor of love it's something i love to do and i love to share thought it was just going to be something that was uh independent of myself not realizing how big this would become for so many people and uh, and, and that makes me happy because uh you know that, that's a good thing that people want to learn and uh, and, and i enjoy being part of that
1: Well, thanks for listening to the Valor Podcast. Make sure to like us on Facebook and you can subscribe on iTunes and Google Play or any podcast management app. Visit our webpage at thevalorpodcast.com. That's thevalorpodcast.com. Finally, find your mission. There are many veteran organizations, nonprofits, and veterans needing your help. I promise you'll make some great friends. Till next time, have a great week.